G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is called God the Healer and it focuses on Mark chapter 5 verses 21 to 43. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. The Lord be with you. And also with you. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 5, verse 21. Glory Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a rather long verse, so would you like to be seated? Thanks, Ken. (laughs) When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman there was, who was uh, subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing What had happened to her came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher any more? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue rulers, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, 
Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talabatha Kanon, <laughs> which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's said that uh, when animals are afraid, there's two responses. Do you know them? Fight or flight. Today we're going to see that this isn't entirely true for us. As people, we're created for relationship with God. And so when we're afraid, we can choose fight, we can choose flight, or we can choose faith. And so we as we unpack God's word today, I invite you to pray for me as I pray for you. Loving Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the story of Jesus recorded in Mark. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would help us to have eyes of faith, hearts of belief, and lives ready to apply your gospel to them. In Christ's name, amen. So if you have a Bible with you, um, whether on a device or a physical Bible, I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Because then we find uh, another Markan sandwich, another sandwich story. As we saw a couple of weeks ago, Mark often starts a story, um, that's the bread, then he tells another story in the middle, the filling, and then refers back to the first story, the final slice of bread in the sandwich. And the meaning, the key to the story, is not at the beginning or at the end, like you and I would tell a story, but instead it's right in the middle. Right in the middle of these two healing stories, Mark is telling us that when we're up against it, we can choose to fight, we can choose flight, or we can choose faith. Right in the center of our passage, we read in verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and with trembling and fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Today we're going to break down this sandwich story and see what it has to tell us about fear, faith and about God, our healer. So let's look at the first slice of bread in our sandwich. Verses 21 through to 24 are the first slice of bread. Jesus lands back on the good side of the Sea of Galilee, where a crowd is ready to meet him. 
Jesus' popularity is growing to a point where he can't really go anywhere without a crowd forming. But all of a sudden, the crowd parts, and there we see a surprising figure walking up to Jesus on the shore. Last week, it was the Gerasene demoniac who meets Jesus on the shore. Today, it's Jairus. Jairus is the ruler of the synagogue. He's, he's the parish counselor. He's a layperson. He's not a priest, but he has a very important role in the synagogue. Synagogues are, were a lot like our churches today. They were places where Jewish scriptures were read, uh, where people gathered in worship, and where people prayed for healing and wholeness. Now remember, the religious leaders didn't like Jesus much because he was cutting their grass. People were going to Jesus to be taught and healed. And both the left-wing religious leaders, the Sadducees, and the right-wing religious leaders had something in common. They both hated Jesus. And often in Mark so far, they've come up to him and tried to humiliate him in order to try and win back their followers. Now, we might think that Jairus is here to pick a fight with Jesus. But instead, he falls to his feet. And in verse 23, he says, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she might be healed and live. Jairus doesn't want to pick a fight with Jesus. Again, he's choosing faith. He's desperate. His daughter is dying. And Jairus is prepared to give Jesus a go. In fact, he's prepared to risk his reputation in the community in order to see his daughter healed. Now, here we see Jesus' character on show. He might have been tempted to get a bit of sweet revenge on Jairus, to tell him to, to rack off and tell him if he wanted healing, he should tell his religious friends to back off. Faith healers today might ask someone like Jairus to demonstrate their faith by giving them money or by buying a product or by praying a special prayer. Jesus does none of this. He goes with Jairus without delay. Here we see, friends, that no one is beyond the love of the Lord. We live in a fractured and polarized society. Sometimes I know I'm tempted to blame all of the world's problems on rich people or on poor people or on stupid people or on people who aren't like me. Jesus doesn't think in these categories. And Jesus is open to Jairus, a rich, powerful male. He's as open to Jairus as he is open to the poor, powerless female that we see in the second part of this story. As quickly as we build walls between people, Jesus breaks them down. As Jairus is received by Jesus, so we need to realize that Jesus is open to us, whoever we are. In the same way, we need to see that we come to Jesus and we come to know Jesus by faith. Pastor Andrew Sedra, who's um, a pastor down in Sydney, says, Faith is going without knowing where you're going. 
Jairus doesn't know if Jesus is going to pick a fight with him or discount him or just ignore him. He doesn't know where Jesus is going. But he puts his heart in Jesus' hands and the life of his daughter in Jesus' realm of responsibility, not knowing where he'll go next. Too often, friends, we think that we know what Jesus would do and how Jesus would react. We think and say things like, oh, God wouldn't want anything to do with something like, someone like me, considering the things that I've done. Or on the other hand, we think, I'm a good person, or at least I'm better than most people, so God should listen to me. Here, Jairus does none of that. He approaches Jesus, shares his problem, acknowledges that Jesus has the power to solve it, and puts the things he can't control in the faith of Jesus. Friends, you can approach God in any way you like, but Jairus models for us the humility and respect that Jesus deserves, which is by far the best way to come to him. So that's the first slice of bread. Let's look at the meat. Jairus approaches Jesus in the appropriate way, but someone who doesn't know how to approach Jesus is the woman we meet in the meat of our passage, pun intended. (laughs) In verse 23, we read, a large crowd followed and pressed around Jesus. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So here Jesus is surrounded by fans. They want to see a miracle, but this woman needs a miracle. Mark tells us that she's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. Now this would be difficult enough for people today. Chronic illness is a constant source of pain, humiliation and frustration. In my work, I get to meet lots of people with Crohn's disease, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, and other conditions that modern medicine hasn't found a cure for at the moment. People who sink money and time into treating themselves, but can't find a cure. This chronically ill woman may have once been married. She may have once had a family. She may have once had money, like Jairus. But she's alone now. And all her money has been spent on doctors. You can imagine how hard it would have been to keep yourself clean and change your rags in order to deal with a condition like this. But we need to add to this the stigma that this woman would have experienced in her world. To keep out viruses and to keep um, infection away, Jewish communities were strict on their purity laws. You can read about them in the Old Testament. Women going through their monthly menstrual cycles were considered unclean. And simply touching a woman like this would make you unclean as well. 
This woman almost certainly lived alone and she wasn't allowed to go to Jairus' synagogue. She wasn't allowed to go to family gatherings. She wasn't allowed to be in crowds like the one she's in right now because simply touching someone would make them unclean. But when Jesus comes to town, she takes a risk. She probably hides her bleeding and probably her face as well, so people won't recognize her. She pushes through the crowds and sees Jesus and Jairus making their way through the crowds themselves and thinks, if I only touch his clothes, I'll be healed. (coughs) Matthew's gospel tells us that she only wants to touch the hem of his cloak, the edging at the bottom. Now, this might sound superstitious, as if she thinks that Jesus is some sort of totem. It seems like a meaningless detail, but it's actually quite significant. Jewish men were told in the law to make their tassels long and have tassels on the four corners of their robes to show their obedience to God. Most people, and all non-Jews, wouldn't bother with the tassels, but the tassels of a rabbi's robe were an important part of their identity. There's also a special prophecy in the book of Malachi about the Messiah. It says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Malachi prophesied that the Son of Righteousness would have healing in his tassels. Here the word for wings is the same as the word for tassels. This woman knows the law of God. She has faith that there is healing in the Messiah's wings. She believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And as she touches him, her chronic illness is healed in a moment. Jesus whips around and asks, who touched me? His disciples think this is a stupid question. Everyone's touching him. But Jesus persists. And here the woman has an opportunity to flee. She can run away. She doesn't need to acknowledge that she's the one who is healed. She's got her healing. She's got what she wants. But instead she chooses faith. And notice she's terrified. Jesus could, um, could have got angry at her for making him unclean. He could have humiliated her in front of a crowd. Remember, she's not used to being in a crowd of people. But instead, he champions her faith. And he lifts her up. And he commends her before the crowd. No one has commended her for 12 years. No one has taken an interest in her. But like Jairus, this woman doesn't choose fight or flight. He chooses faith. And again, like Jairus, she falls at his feet. And Jesus says to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now notice the woman was fearful. And so Jesus is not commending the innate genius 
of her ability to believe. She hasn't made herself well. She's been trying that for 12 years. Instead, it's the object of her faith. Jesus has made her well. Jesus has healed her. And Jesus allows her to go in peace. Now, we need to appreciate here something about healing. When Jesus heals people in the Bible, he's always pointing to a deeper reality. Jesus doesn't heal people to make them feel better for a while. Every single person Jesus heals in the Bible later got sick and died. This has something to show us about faith, prayer, and healing. If we believe that all we need to do is conjure up enough feelings of faith that we'll be healed, then this passage is discouraging because everything depends on us. And when we're not healed, guess what? It's my fault because I'm not healed. But what we see in the Bible and in today's passage in particular is that when Jesus heals people, it's always a clear manifestation of the kingdom of God flowing into someone's life. Every healing is designed to point us to the healing that we discover in the kingdom of God. As this woman touches Jesus, the kingdom of God flows into her life. And she experiences the peace, wholeness, and fullness of relationship with God we'll enjoy in heaven. The healing stories in the Bible point us to the deeper reality of the kingdom of God. Remember, this is the meat in the passage after all. It points us to how putting our trust in the Lord and living for the kingdom gives us the fullness of life in the present of the kingdom of God and a heavenly hope in the resurrection life that all who follow Jesus will enjoy into eternity. And this brings us to the final piece of bread. Jairus gets help. Now, while Jesus seems to be dilly-dallying with the kingdom of God and, and talking to this woman, Jairus is probably tapping his feet and looking at his watch and thinking, Come on, Jesus. The disciples are probably thinking the same thing because now's their chance. Now's their opportunity to rub shoulders with important people. Jesus is wasting time talking to this nobody. Even more so, this is an adult woman who's been sick for 12 years. Surely she can wait for half an hour while Jesus goes and helps this critically ill little girl. A doctor today would be accused of malpractice if they spent time on an older person with a non-life-threatening bleed while a critically ill child is taking their last breath. And this is where Jesus' kindness to the woman seems to unravel. Imagine you hadn't just heard the end of the story. Put yourself in Jairus' shoes. Imagine the heartbreak when messengers come from his home and say, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus looks irresponsible here. He's, waited precious time, he's wasted precious time on hearing the woman's story. And now it's too late. Jairus hears the news that he's been so afraid of 
And while he had faith in Jesus before, Jesus can't help her now. Or can he? Jesus overhears Jairus' messengers. And what he says in verse 36 sounds a bit trite. Don't be afraid, just believe. Perhaps someone's said this to you and it hasn't helped. You've hoped and prayed and waited, but God hasn't come through. You've chosen faith again and again, but your fears have been realized with equal force. It hurts to be in this space. But here Jesus doesn't need Jairus to respond. Notice it's not Jairus' innate faithfulness that brings them over the line. Instead, it's the faithfulness of God. It's the faithfulness of Jesus. Jesus keeps going towards Jairus' house. And Jairus doesn't know what to do but follow Jesus. Remember, faith is going where you don't know where you're going. It's putting your life in God's hands because God is all you've got. The final slice of our story sandwich has the most glorious ending. When we get to Jairus' house, there are professional mourners and they're having a professional mourning party. They're, They're wailing and they're playing drums and lutes. In many countries today, you can still hire a professional mourning party that is designed to honor the person who's died and also give permission to the family of the deceased the opportunity to cry and grieve and mourn. It seems that there's quite a band here and they're creating quite a stir. And notice how sincere they are. When Jesus approaches them and tells them that the little girl is just asleep, more trite words from Jesus or trite sounding words, the mourners begin to laugh at him. They know a dead girl when they see one. It's their job. And their mourning turns into mocking. See how sincere their mourning was at first. They're wailing and crying and all of a sudden they're laughing at Jesus. It's hollow. There's no sincerity in their mourning. And Jesus is having none of it. So he gets them out of the house, then takes Jairus and his wife and his three disciples into the room. And here we see the happy ending to the story. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Literally, sweetie, get up. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave them strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And they told, and he told her, he he told them to give her something to eat. As the bleeding woman touched Jesus, now Jesus takes the dead girl by the hand. Again, according to Jewish purity laws, touching a dead body would make you unclean. But here, Jesus' purity brings purity into the life of the girl. And he literally says, sweetheart, get up. 
And as the kingdom of God encounters the dead girl, she leaps up. Notice she's 12 years old. So she was born as the previous woman's bleeding started. She's been alive as long as the bleeding woman has been sick. And now they're both experiencing the healing and wholeness of the kingdom of God. I love the final detail Mark gives us of Jesus giving strict orders for them not to tell anyone about this and that she be given something to eat. For me, um, if I ever get resurrected, buy me KFC when I get resurrected. (laughs) That's the kind of meal I'd like. (laughs) I don't know what the little girl got, but I, I just love that detail. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in John 12, the chief priests make plans to kill Lazarus to get rid of the evidence. So you can see why Jesus wants no one to hear about Jairus and his daughter. He's protecting the daughter. And also in Luke 24, after Jesus' resurrection, he eats a piece of broiled fish. Not quite KFC, but still pretty good. And he does this to prove to his disciples that he's really alive. Here, this resurrection life of the kingdom of God has broken into the life of Jairus and his family, and everyone is amazed. It's the faithfulness of Jesus that saves the woman and the girl. And again, it's vital that we see that these healings point us to the kingdom of God. Our God is greater than sickness. Our God has triumphed over death. And so when we face fear, friends, we can choose to get angry. Or we can choose to run away from the thing we're afraid of. Or we can face the future with faith. We can know that Jesus is by our side. And Jesus is faithful. He will never leave us or forsake us. Friends, let's not do life without Jesus. Let's put him at the center of our existence. Let's set our hearts on the day when heaven and earth will become one and when all people will see Jesus and will rise with healing in his wings. As we do this, as we put our faith in Jesus, we'll have eyes to see the kingdom of God breaking into our world right here and right now. And we'll be able to face the future with faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.